Kyle Brandt's Basement is brought to you by Caesar Sportsbook. Hey, everybody. Welcome to my basement. Glad to have you here. My daughter and her friend are right outside eating Happy Meals and watching Bluey, which is what she does with most of her time. She's right over there. Hopefully we don't disturb her. Hopefully she doesn't disturb us. And maybe she'll even visit. Who knows? We're going to talk about a big story in the NFL about the most successful team of the 21st century and how they feel like they're falling apart and they're willing to die to keep that from happening. We're going to talk about one of the biggest college prospects and an issue I have, what's going on with him. And then what is the best postseason? What is it? Is Which sport has the best postseason? We just got done with NCAA tournament. We're just starting baseball season. Before you know it, it's going to be the NBA playoffs. Which is the best? I saw a take out there from someone we're familiar with on this show that I thought was preposterous, so we're going to get into that. And your family confessionals, all the stuff that you guys have bleeped up with your family, or maybe your family has bleeped up for you, I have my own. Maybe we'll live through one right here with my child during this very show. It's Kyle Brandt's Basement. It's what I love. It's what I hate. And it's what's hilarious. Start the show. Oh, I love a desperate, desperate, desperate New England Patriots organization. I love a desperate Bill Belichick, and that's where we're at. Interesting times for the Patriots. You might have seen chatter going around that Bill Belichick has been actively shopping his young quarterback, Mac Jones. Pro Football Talk had it. The report is that, yeah, he spent the offseason saying, done. Who wants this guy? We drafted him in the first round a couple of years ago. We got to the playoffs once and got our doors blown off by Buffalo. Last year was a mess. I don't care what happened. It's his fault. Get him out of here. I don't know if it's true, but I love, I love the vibe of New England right now. It's so fresh, isn't it? It's so different. It's so tasty. Because for the first time I can remember since I was, I think, in high school, If you look at that division, the AFC East, the New England Patriots are by far the lowest, have the least hype, the least talent on their team, the least expectations. They have not been picked to finish last in the division either by prognosticators or odds makers since 2001. It's 2023, it's been 22 years. And I don't see any reason why they shouldn't be picked last. I picked up a headline back from 2001 And it was from the Gazette Journal talking about the state of the Patriots. And I will quote it for you. Baseball and basketball are the only things that matter in Boston. Football is just a little diversion in the few weeks between the end of the Red Sox season and the start of the Celtics season in early November. Now that became a freezing cold take because that very year the New England Patriots won the Super Bowl. And yet, look at it right now. Boston. Okay, the Celtics are excellent. One of the best teams in the NBA. Some of the best scorers. The Boston Bruins are excellent. One of the best teams in the NHL. The Red Sox, who knows? It's early. Does anybody care? Is there any juice about the Patriots other than the fact that they may be falling apart? I've talked about it on this show that Bill Belichick's in the hot seat. I think it's ridiculous. But now if you hear rumors, they might be shopping the quarterback. And even if they're not true, the fact that they're out there, everyone's just ready to pick at that carcass. And I don't know how the next couple of weeks are going to go for the Patriots, the lead up to the draft. I don't know how the next few months are going to go. I don't know what Belichick's going to do. 
but I know what he's not going to do. Nothing. This is not a guy who is going to just taper out, circle the drain, go 7-10 and 10 this year, maybe one more year to prove all the doubters wrong, go 8-9, and nine, and then hand it over to Gerard Mayo and go on his boat named after how many rings he has and sail around the harbor and retire. That is not going to happen. And I look at the Patriots right now as it looks like things are really bad. And it looks like there's not a reason to believe that Belichick, even the great Belichick, can get them through this. And I'm reminded a lot of succession. I've started watching this final season now. And the cast is all there. It's all there. The AFC East is the Roy family. Belichick is Logan Roy. Old, likely past his prime, but still a bad, bad mother. And he built this empire and from his cold, dead hands, will you let him take it? Let, will he let you take it? Will he let it crumble around him? He knows every trick. He knows every cutthroat maneuver. He knows every back door. He knows every little nuance. He knows how to manipulate. He knows how to be ruthless. This is not the first time the Patriots have seemed to be shaky, or maybe this is when it all collapses. Logan Roy knows what he's doing. And even if he doesn't, even if the game has passed him by, He's going to crack some skulls and take some bodies with him if he goes down. Because meanwhile, you got the Roy children right there with him in the AFC East. The Patriots are Logan, Patriarch, head of the Empire. And then you got Kendall's Buffalo, right? The one who's expected to take over. The prodigal son. The one who for so many years was intimidated by Logan, by his father. And now is finally standing up for himself. He's been through hell. But this is the obvious choice. This is the one the media looks at. This is the one even the family looks at. Buffalo, it's yours for the taking. Working through some demons, though. Can't quite get over the hump. Meanwhile, the Dolphins are shiv. Smart. Going things about it a different way. Have an edge on them. Assembling a talent. Probably the most intelligent. Maybe not the most talented but suddenly arises as an interesting choice among the family when everyone thinks it's going to be Buffalo. Buffalo, maybe it ends up being Shiv after all, which of course would leave the New York Jets to be Roman. Lot of humor surrounding them, much of it at his expense. A lot of his insecurities he covers up with his own humor. Certainly the youngest hasn't had success in a long, 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 long time. And yet you start to look at Roman and after you watch enough seasons and enough episodes, Roman's not just some idiot making wisecracks and having all these sexual fetishes. Although the Jets, several years ago, the head coach did some of that too. But Roman's like, wow, Roman's pretty sharp. Roman's kind of turning the corner as much as a businessman. Roman's making some big business decisions that show this real self-starting entrepreneurial side of him, like going out and getting a quarterback like that. They're all lined up. And all three of those teams, the Bills being Logan or Bills being Kendall, and Shiv is the Dolphins, and Roman is the Jets. They all want one thing from the Logan Roy Bill Pelichick. They all just want Logan Roy to just die in the show. Just pass away and hand us the billions and get the hell out of here, old man. And that's how they feel about Belichick in the football sense. Let's just finish this guy. Let's get him the hell out of here. He had this crazy cold era reign for us where we couldn't win for decades. Now let's just step on his throat while he's down. And maybe they will. But I do not think that Bill Belichick is going to spend the last couple of seasons of his career just floundering and just letting the chips fall where they may. I think he will dictate the chips. I think he will splash the pot. 
I think a couple of years ago, he saw what was going on. He spent a ton of money in free agency on all these different players and 56 different tight ends, and it didn't pan out. I do not think he will sit there like a poker player and just check when it's his turn at the draft. I don't think they'll stand pat. I don't think they'll make conservative moves. Watch. This is, this is not just a last couple of years thing. This is a last quarter of century thing. And this is strange times. A desperate New England. No buzz, no promise, no potential, least talented roster. You are nothing in the AFC without a great quarterback. I don't think the Patriots even have a good one. I don't think he's talented enough, even if you have the right parts around him. The, you can win with Mac Jones? Sure, I guess. I sat with Matthew Judon, their star pass rusher, for two straight days in Good Morning Football. I said point blank to him on the air, Matthew, can you win the division with, with, with Mac Jones, a quarterback? You know what he said? Hey, our defense is great. Exactly. Perfect response. And I respect Judon, and he's trying to speak up for his team. I don't think he can. I don't think you can run the ball and play defense and beat the Bills, the Dolphins, or the Rodgers Jets. Not in that division. I just don't think they can. I think Belichick knows what time it is. I believe the idea that he's not in love with Mac Jones. I don't even know if it's Mac Jones' job. He was entertaining the Bailey Zappi conversation a couple of weeks ago. Still, Bailey Zappi. Never mind somebody like Anthony Richardson coming out in the draft or somebody in a trade or all these crazy pie-in-the-sky rumors about Lamar. I don't think... Do you sit there and see the Patriots winning with Mac Jones? I'm talking about winning AFC playoff games, home AFC playoff games. Neither do I. I don't think this is the last we're going to hear of this. Patriots of the Roy family. Who's taking control? The AFC East of the kids. Logan's the dad. The Patriots. I love it. Stay tuned for the next episode. Let's get into uh, what I hate, though. Probably the two most interesting names are going to come up in the draft on draft night in terms of where they go and what they could bring to the table are Anthony Richardson, the quarterback from Florida, and Jalen Carter, this prolific defensive tackle from Georgia, which is why I hate the report of his draft strategy that he and his agent, Drew Rosenhaus, have cultivated. You might have seen this, where he is only visiting, only spending the time to meet, visit, talk, and uh, potentially bond with teams that are drafting in the top 10. Top 10 teams only, that is the report. After 10, don't even bother talking with me, it's a waste of time. Jalen Carter, as you might know, was involved in a tragic incident involving driving at high speeds on the road and it involved loss of life from more than one person. It's terrible and he's had to go through the legal proceedings of that and it is something that hangs over he and everything he does as well as any team that drafts him, it will come up. So then comes this report that I'm only meeting with the top 10 teams. I've seen this compared, I think, erroneously to people in the past. Famously and really hilariously, um, you know, 30-some years ago, Deion Sanders comes out of Florida State and, as according to the legend, would go in to meet with teams, ask where they were drafting, and when they were saying they were drafting 13, 14, 15, he would just walk out of the room because he says, I'm not going to be there. It's funny, almost, because Dion was calling himself primetime and cultivating a brand when media was not what it was, and he was a cornerback, and he was trying to sell himself, and he was that good of a player, so he was right. I was talking to my brother, Peter Schrager, this morning, Good Morning Football, and he was bringing up the comparisons of Warren Sapp. Warren Sapp had some big issues hanging over his head coming out of Miami, different kinds than Jalen Carter. His were more of uh, the substance abuse variety and other kinds of things, really, centered around that. 
and he fell. He fell far, and he was notoriously not taken by the New York Jets, who took Kyle Brady, a tight end from Penn State, and went to the Buccaneers. And Peter's trying to make the point that, you know, this is the guy, and this is a football player, and they regret that pick. And I respect Peter's opinion more than anybody in the industry. And yet, that doesn't mean I agree with Jalen Carter's stance. Because for every Warren Sapp, I can name five or six different guys who did have those concerns that didn't work out as well. My question to Jalen Carter and his representatives would be, what's the win here? Why not meet with those teams? Why are you making a priority to tell the teams, I'm a top 10 guy, I know it, I'm not going to waste my time meeting with those other teams. Why is it a waste of your time? What is it that is so difficult about meeting with a team that has the 11 pick, the 13 pick, the 23 pick? What else is it that you're doing with your time in this weeks leading up to the biggest job audition in history for you or anyone in your family ever? Why would you not meet with them? There's a report that he believes, that I saw for Daniel Jeremiah was talking to McAfee and he was saying, I have to believe there's a backstop that he and his agent have been given whereby we know we're not going to get past this team and we have some sort of assurances and DJ was saying, well, listen, I would look at Philadelphia because they have the number 10 pick and they have a couple former teammates of Jalen Carter. And I, I would guess, edu- would make an educated guess that he has been given assurances by Philadelphia that he will not get past them at 10. Yeah, have you been given assurances by Philadelphia that on draft night, when the, when the, the whole game starts spinning and everything's wheeling and dealing, that maybe they trade back? What if they do that and they're not at 10 and the team is at 10 is a team you wouldn't even meet with? and didn't meet with, and can't draft you, and so is the team at 11, and 12, and 13, and then you start falling. Why not meet? You know, there's the other, the the long-term play of it too. You do get drafted by Philadelphia at 10, and you're there for three years, and then you're gone, and you're a free agent, and you're just sitting there. And all these teams, 22 out of 32 that you didn't meet with in the draft, left a bad taste in their mouth. You didn't meet with them at the time. They don't know you from the draft. They didn't want you coming out, and you didn't play very well in Philadelphia, so obviously why they're letting you go. Don't you think that's a bad move? What are we talking about here? Are we talking about a Zoom or two? Even an in-person meeting? I think there's this other side of it where it's like, yeah, well, he doesn't want to meet with those people because it's just not a normal circumstance. He has, he's going to have to answer really difficult questions about what happened in that car. So answer them. You're going to sit down for those meetings. You're going to have a very specifically planned response that has been cultivated by you, your agent, your representatives, and everybody else you let in the room. You have your response, you issue that response, you give it to them, and then you move on and you met with that team and maybe you made a good response and maybe they respect you for facing that music. Maybe they say, well, we really like this guy. Maybe they like you so much that they want to trade into the top 10 to get you because you're that talented. Maybe it is a team at 22. Maybe it's a team at 14 who says, I want to go up to... Who knows? Nine, eight, because I want to get Jalen Carter. I know he won't be around for us, but we didn't meet with him because he had some sort of bizarre, very unusual cutoff point or a backstop at 10 that he wouldn't meet with. I don't get it. I don't get it at all. I think it's bad advice. It feels like bad karma almost that things happen, man. You cannot trust a handshake deal or an email from someone at some backstop who told Drew Rosenhaus we won't get past us. Guys, what is the date? It's April 5th. I don't even know they're not going to change their mind. Two weeks from now, I was like, you know, we've been thinking about this. We actually changed our mind. Sorry, tell Jalen our bad. We'll try to get him anyways, maybe later. Yeah, later, exactly. Much less money later, much less everything. You can't take the meeting? It's just like if it's something that my, my friend was doing or a family member of mine or a coworker or something, I'm like, dude, I know it's tough 
and this process is brutal and it's really hard on these young people and you feel like you're torn apart like a piece of meat and objectified and especially with you've gone through off the field you feel like you have answered the questions and all it's doing is demeaning you and tearing you apart psychologically take the meeting do the meetings put your best foot forward we're talking about countless millions of dollars at stake we're talking about the well-being and the likelihood that you succeed within your career take the meetings all right it's a meeting with some football guys who want to talk about your pass rush skills and your fitness and you know they may have a couple of hard questions about what happened off the field and your responsibility and the way you are behind the wheel of a car and some of the citations you had gotten in college before then and are you moving past that Jalen because we're really rooting for you and we'd love to have you be who knows who a Seahawk a Ram whoever the hell and have your planned responses and say them isn't that much more of a win than just rolling in the dice and saying I don't want to do those meetings I know I'm gonna to be top 10 because you're not Deion Sanders you're probably not Warren Sapp either. Great player. Could be the most talented player in the entire dang draft. Strange stance. I hope it doesn't go back to bite him. I would hate to see that. Because I root for all these guys. I don't root for all the NFL guys, but I root for all the college guys coming out. College guys. Strange stance. Hmm. Let's get to what's hilarious. Hey, spring is in the air, and that can only mean one thing. Spring grilling. The steak experts at Omaha Steaks have made it easy to spring into something delicious with their semi-annual sale. With 50% off site-wide, grab all your favorites like perfectly aged tender steaks, ocean-fresh seafood, juicy burgers, incredible air-chilled chicken, and decadent desserts. Yeah! Plus, when you go to omahasteaks.com and use promo code BASEMENT at checkout, you'll receive an additional $30 off your order. It's the perfect way to get fired up and spring into something special. Don't wait! Go to omahasteaks.com, use promo code BASEMENT at checkout, and take advantage of this deal. Do it. Omaha Steaks is ready to ship your order right away, and you're going to want to hurry because 50% off site-wide is only happening for a limited time. You feel me? Don't miss your chance to save. Visit omahasteaks.com, use code BASEMENT at checkout, and get an additional $30 off when you shop their semi-annual sale today. Minimum order may be required. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Top fives in media are great. Uh, in sports media, it's fast food. It's just it's French fries. You put them up, and it's a very easy segment to do. It's great for social. It is very reactive. Everybody hates the list, and everyone reacts to it. They watch. They click. They they like. They subscribe. So that's in any top five. But I like that comes one from our guy Mad Dog Chris Russo, who, as we finish the NCAA tournament, as we are. You know, a couple months away from the NFL postseason, and the other ones are coming up around the corner. Mad Dog took a run on first take this morning of his top five postseasons. Top five postseasons by sport. Here's how he went. At number five, he said the NBA. And number four, he said the NFL. NFL post playoffs, uh, number four, he says. Three NHL playoffs, two 
men's basketball or really just college basketball and won the number one postseason he had was the Major League Baseball playoffs. Okay. First of all, I want to say I actually agree with him with Major League Baseball. There's something about it where the games go on for so many months and there's 162 plus some games forever that have very little stakes and the games are very long and the season lasts forever. And other than just kind of tracking week after week where you are in the standings, a given inning and a given pitch even don't really have any stakes. In the playoffs, they feel massive. If your favorite baseball team has ever been in a night baseball playoff game on Fox with Joe Buck, whoever it may be calling, you really do feel like every single pitcher on the edge of your seat. Every single pitch matters. And in a huge at bat, if your team's pitching and they're in the field and the pitcher starts out 2-0 and count, you're like, oh my God, we're behind now. What are we going to do? It's just, it's unbelievably electric. The calls are great from the commentators. The walk-offs are amazing. I really do think that, I don't think baseball is the best sport. I do think they have purely the best playoffs. I really do like them. And I think they're right. And I think they're better. The slight against the, the March Madness, as fun as it is, is that the one and done thing can be frustrating. You know, if, if you just have a bad night as a, as a two seed or in this year, this year a two seed or a one seed, you can get knocked off. It's like, well, come on. We don't get another shot at this at all. We don't again, we do a best of three. Some people like that. I can see why it'd be frustrating. But let's not bury the lead here. Here is Chris Mad Dog Russo's explanation, a guy who I completely respect and am entertained by. Here is his explanation of why he has, in his top five postseasons, the NFL playoffs at the number four spot. This is going to stir a little trouble, but I'm 100% right, is the NFL. That wild card round is a complete waste. Too many nine and eight teams make the postseason. It's ridiculous. There's not enough quantity. There's too much teams in this postseason in the NFL. 32 teams and 14 make it. There's not 14 good teams. Plus, the home field means so much in the NFL that if you have the home field advantage, it gives you such a big deal come the postseason. And remember, 14 teams out of 32 make the playoffs? And don't you think Miami was going to beat Buffalo? I mean, come on, please. I go on and on and on. No road team ever wins. That is not even a debate. All right. <laughs> I like that he starts by saying, I'm 100% right. Okay. <laughs> If you say you're 100% right, you better deliver. Uh, he also said um, he didn't like the NFL playoffs because 14 out of 32 teams make the playoffs? It's too many teams. Chris, 14 out of 32 make the NFL playoffs. 12 out of 30 make the Major League Baseball playoffs. 16 out of 30 make the NBA playoffs. 16 out of 32 make the NHL playoffs. So in a couple of those, the percentage of teams in the league that make it is higher than the NFL, significantly higher, and baseball is pretty much a push because it's 12 out of 30 instead of 14 out of 32, okay? So I don't think that really bears a lot of substance as far as your argument. Next. Did anyone think Miami was actually gonna beat Buffalo? Chris, yeah. For a second there, it felt like in the game they were going to beat him. Do you know they were winning in the second half of that game? We're talking about the Skylar Thompson Miami Dolphins at Buffalo trying to deal Josh Allen his first home playoff loss. They were down three in the fourth quarter. They were winning in the second half. They won the game, the Bills, 34-31. to Watching that game, it was electric. The fear 
and the paranoia in the second half of, oh my God, Buffalo's going to make one of the worst playoff losses of all time. Oh my God, Miami might have one of the craziest upsets of all time. It, it was going to happen there for a second. And the Bills just kind of held on to the ball and, and held on to the edge of their seats and they won. That was in no way an endorsement of a terrible team playing a great team in the first round. That game was tight and it was nerve wracking and it was really close. Building on that point. Home field advantage is so big in the NFL. The road team never wins. The Giants won on the road this past year in the playoffs against the Vikings in the first round. The Cowboys, who don't win playoff games, won in the first round at Tampa Bay, giving Tom Brady, the greatest playoff winner of all time, his final loss in his final game. (laughs) Those are two pretty big... Daniel Jones won going away on the road in the first round in the playoffs. Dak Prescott beat Tom Brady, a team that has owned the Cowboys since Brady got there. Both of those things, not could have happened, not came close to happening. They both happened. Not to mention the Dolphins one I just mentioned. The Chargers were destroying the Jacksonville Jaguars in their home field, and they just completely had a Chargers collapse. The only reason they didn't also do it. And even the Ravens were playing without Lamar and they're battling Cincinnati. This is no way a symbol of how bad the first round of the NFL is. What are you talking about, Chris? I've done some bad top five lists. I've misplaced them all the time. I don't think this is the right slotting. I don't think that pro football is the fourth best playoffs. Especially recently, the last half decade, the games have been unbelievable. Unbelievable. Um, That's an amazing thing. The home team never wins. They won twice last year. Twice. There are too many teams. It's just as many teams as in the other sports. And in fact, in some cases, it's fewer teams. I love it, though. Baseball playoffs are great. Mad Dog's great. Uh, let's get to something that we call... Oh, man. You ready? Let's go to Family Confessional. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You sit on the couch, pick up the phone, you call. We've got an answering machine. It's right over there where my daughter's watching Bluey in the next room. You got a tape in there. You call. If you call this number, 2524-BRANT, you will hear my voice or an outgoing message. You leave a message. It's about something that you did in your family that you messed up, that you're embarrassed about. Maybe as a parent, maybe as a spouse, or maybe it's one of your family members that did the messing up. It doesn't matter when it is. Mine today is preemptive. It's probably going to have to be talked about tomorrow because you know what I'm doing tonight? 
you have any idea what I'm doing in the middle of a work week on a Wednesday night and traveling many miles to do it. I, for the first time with my wife, are taking our children to a little place called Medieval Times. We're going. It is my kids' spring break. The moms are texting each other about things to do and we're going to Medieval Times and I'm going. I wanna be part of that thing. I don't know if we're gonna be red night, blue night, yellow night. I know it's just gonna be a long night. And I will be on the air tomorrow at 7 a.m. in Lower Manhattan, but I'm going to Medieval Times. If you're going to Medieval Times tonight, Wednesday night in New Jersey, I'll be there. And I'll probably have a lot to confess tomorrow morning. So that's my preemptive confession. I've not been in Medieval Times. I went one when I was in fifth grade, once when I was in my 20s and we went ironically and got all drunk and everything. Uh, tonight I'm gonna go in my 40s. I don't think I'm gonna be able to eat the food. I know there's no silverware in Medieval Times, so there's no silverware at Medieval Times. So I'm gonna, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to get there for that. But uh, I'm not even gonna be able to drink. I don't drink during the week. It's gonna be a rough night. I'll confess tomorrow. But in the meantime, your messages. I'll try to give you um, some sort of counsel if I, or maybe I'll just tell you you messed up. But in the first call, we have a gentleman. Oh, you know what's inspired? I forgot. Our inspiration for doing this. I love Liquid Death Water. Those guys murder your thirst. Amazing creative company. I've gotten to meet some of it before. You've seen it before. It looks like a tall boy of beer, but it's actually water. In fact, their slogan is relax, just water. Apparently there was a guy that saw it in the, in the, I think it was in the New York Post headline. There was a guy who puts a, a can of the liquid death water in with his kid's lunch, sends them to school with it every day, and it looks so much like a beer that one day he actually put a Guinness in his kid's lunch mistakenly because the Guinness looked just like a liquid death. Had to come pick up his school, got an angry phone call. Uh, TikTok user had to pick up his child after he sent him with a Guinness. That's not something I've done, I'll confess to it. I pound all the liquid dust in our house and the Guinness. But that was our inspiration, and here is our content. A man named Lincoln, I think, assume it's a Lincoln. Lincoln from Colorado called 2524 Brandt with a family confessional. Lincoln, what would you like to confess? Hey, Kyle, this is Lincoln out in Colorado. Just calling to confess my poor parenting. Uh, one April Fools, we I throw my daughters high up in the air. They're two and four. They're little. And they love when you fling them up in the air. Uh, I tend to do that in front of my mother-in-law and my wife's grandma, and they get very nervous. So one April Fools, we decided to play a prank on them, and I was going to throw my kid up in the air and drop them. Well, instead, my mother-in-law freaked out, tried to catch it. It was a baby doll that we faked her out with and it landed on her foot and broke her foot, and she had to have a cast on for six months. So that's my bad parenting that I want to submit. Thanks. Lincoln, that's pretty awful. Awful before you get to the slapstick, preposterous, broken foot injury. That's a bad prank. <laughs> that's not funny. <laughs> Check it out. Oh, I'm throwing her, I'm throwing her. Oh, I dropped her. Our two-year-old broke their neck. Terrible, don't do that. That's the kind of prank that like, it makes them terrified for a few seconds. And you know what the problem is with that prank? Is that when they realize it was a doll, they don't have this moment of deflation where they think it's funny and they're like, oh, good one. They're mad at you for scaring them like that. Also, it broke the foot of the doll. Was this doll made of lead? Was this doll heavy ceramic or something? I have many dolls in my home. I think if I were to take it and slam any of them on my foot as hard as I could, like Gronk, I don't even really think I'm getting bruised. I don't know. What kind of dot? Was it Teddy Ruxpin or something? What the hell was that? It broke her foot? Crazy story. 
Uh, I remember a quick one and we'll get to the next one. This is a strange and random memory I have. When Titanic was the biggest movie in the world in 1997-1998, the cast, minus Leo, went on the Oprah Winfrey show, and when they called out Billy Zane, remember how he uses a little girl, a little baby girl, like to get on one of the lifeboats? I'm all she has in the world, you know? When they say, oh, and Oprah goes, Billy Zane! And he walked out, and Billy Zane was holding this baby. He was holding a baby, and he was like doing this funny thing where he's like, shh, shh, shh. And then he takes the baby and just throws it. And everyone screams and it was a doll. But you know, he was he was like the jerk villain in the movie, so it was kind of a funny thing he did. I don't know it would be funny if like on Easter Sunday or something, you're, hey, check it out, I'm gonna throw her, oops, like, <laughs> that's not good, dude. I, I, Lincoln, I'm glad you confessed. The point is not for me to judge. You're, I asked for you to call and do th- terrible things you've done. I'm glad you confessed. I think you should have confessed. I think your penance is to never do that again. Let's get to the next caller. From the state of Alabama. Oh, roll tide. Caller named Brian. Go ahead and confess. Hey, Kyle. Brian from Alabama. So, I wasn't the fun uncle, but I was the fun dad. My daughter was in second grade. It was field day. And uh, during the day, everything's going well. I see my daughter over on the tire swing with a couple of her friends, so... Take it upon myself to go over and make this the best tire swing that they've ever been on. So I start to pushing the old tire swing around. There's about four kids on it at this moment. And, uh, hey, they're having the time of their life. I mean, we've got this bad boy spinning around. I mean, it's, uh, they're holding on for dear life, but I mean, they're having a great time. Then my daughter's teacher comes over. I get in trouble. Said I am pushing them extremely too high, too fast. And then I get kicked out of the uh, playground area for the rest of field day. So um, kids were kids were let down. A couple boos I heard, but uh, that's how it goes. Sometimes being the fun dad will get you kicked off the playground of field day at the old elementary school there. Amen, Brian. Sometimes it will, and I respect you. The kids want that. They're screaming for that. Faster, higher. You're not doing it high. You're not doing it. I love Brian a lot. I like he referred to a tire swing as a bad boy. We got that bad boy going. Uh, I'm at that age right now where also my six-year-old, who I can hear right over there, she'll be like, spin me. And then I don't have any problem doing that. The, when, the, when it gets a little high stakes is when spin us and it's she and it's her two little friends and either they're on some normal spin thing or they do this thing they hang on and spin. And you know, you're like, okay, here you go. Faster. And they start screaming at you. So like eventually you're like, all right, you want faster? I'll give you faster. I'll teach you a lesson. It is a little weird when the other ones are on there though. I feel for you, man. I bet you were like the coolest dad ever and that tire swing, that bad boy was going and they made you step out of the field day. I'm glad it ended the way it did and that none of the kids got thrown off the tire swing and landed on the teacher's foot and broke it because that would have been a hard ending. Um, But Brian, I'm with you on that. I don't even know if you have anything to confess for. That's just being a cool dad. Lastly, we have an unidentified fan, which is usually our favorite kind. means they're really going to confess something that's unsavory if they're unidentified, but they do identify themselves as a Chiefs fan. So, unidentified Chiefs fan, 
Please confess. This is the kind of I am. I'm really serious about the Super Bowl. Don't screw with me. So this year I'm watching the Super Bowl, the Eagles and the Chiefs, and my niece, who's 13, writes me, I'm rooting for the Eagles. And I got really pissed. And I wrote her back and I said, no more presents, no more ribbons, no more bows, no more money until you take it back. Scared the out of her. Okay, I take it back. And then to add insult to injury, she went on a ski trip with her brother and I got him gift cards. And I screwed her. I only gave her 50 and I gave the brother 100. I felt really bad. My husband said, you can't do that. So I, I, I snuck a $50 bill in. So it, I made it right, but they never knew. But come on, damn, don't mess with me. It's the Super Bowl. Hmm. She started out by saying, this is just the type of bleephole that I am. It's my kind of call. First of all, you sound like a pretty cool aunt, aside from the Super Bowl thing. You're sending presents and bows and cash and gift cards and all that. I, I don't think that's standard for an aunt. Some do, but like some aunts don't have that kind of connection with their nieces and nephews. I'm into it. Um, I would also wonder though, you sent the 50 to the niece and the 100 to the nephew and then you kind of made up for it. Doesn't it make you feel better that the Chiefs did win that Super Bowl? Did you really need to hold the grudge after it? I'm sure she was texting you just to mess with you, just a little talk, a little trash. And also that Eagles team was a very likable team. Jalen Hurts, very cool guy. I like him. So, you know, it's it's not as if it was some of these other teams. Maybe if she hit the Buccaneers and you hate Brady when the Chiefs played them. The Eagles team were cool. There was no beef between the Chiefs and the Eagles. It's legitimate that she could have liked the Eagles. But uh, I would have thought that after the Chiefs won, you would have said, aha, here's write something in the memo line, the check you send her. And when you start to separate the gift card, you send 100 Amazon dollars to her brother and then 50 to her, that's <laughs> that's like kind of a war crime. You don't do that. Um, but listen, it's not the last Super Bowl you're going to be in. And I hope that niece goes and does the same thing. I'm glad you confessed. And more importantly, I'm glad you're right. Your conscience got a hold of you. And that's really what Family Confessional is all about. Doing a terrible thing and finding the path to do the right thing. Guys, that was great. That was great. We had a guy, a maniac, who threw up a doll and pretended to drop his daughter. We had a cool dad at field day getting that bad boy going on the tire swing. And then we had a really pissed off Chiefs fan who did not tolerate any slight against the Chiefs from her niece and even went half seas on the gift card. That's what we confess. And I will confess plenty tomorrow after my trip to medieval times tonight. Right now, all I have to confess that I have to go to the dartboard sky cam, please. Red Nats going down. Down, down, down. I'm going to cheer so loud. I'm going to feel like I'm at the Super Bowl. The number for today is, God, I'm so bad at darts. I, I feel like I'm Ray Allen on this basket next to the, the dartboard. Let's try this again. Yeah, seven. Number seven. Topic number seven we will go to. I never see any of the topics until I actually see them right now. You can see them for yourself. Number seven, favorite dessert. Favorite dessert. Hmm. I have a guy um, that I work with sometimes for, you know, training and diet and stuff like that. And his name is Jacob Zemer, and he looks like uh, Zangief from the Street Fighter video games. And he has this, he has this thing that he tells his clients about going out to dinner uh, and setting some guidelines and limiting their calories. And his expression is, listen, you can have alcohol or you can have dessert, and dessert is for kids. Have alcohol. Well, that's interesting. 
it is a little bit childlike to get like some ice cream at the end of a meal when you're in your 40s and you're in a restaurant in New York City. Um, but that said, my favorite one, I gotta say, I'm a sucker for anything where the ice cream melts on top of something hot. When they combine those temperatures, and maybe it's one of those little cookies in a skillet, or maybe it's just straight chain restaurant style, and it's like a hot brownie with vanilla ice cream on it, unbelievably good. Unbelievably good. The combination and the collision of textures and temperatures, and one of them's dairy and one of them's baked, and, and it starts to melt, and then it becomes this different uh, viscosity is all at once. It's like a living, breathing thing on your plate in front of you. And there's also that competitive aspect where you're usually sharing it. God willing, you better be sharing it. And it's like, I'm gonna get these good bites and I just had one, but I'm gonna go back for another one because I see the bite right there on the corner that I went, oh no, the guy just took it next to me. I gotta go for the next bite. There's a whole game. There's a time factor. It's not like you get some tiramisu and it just sits there and you pick at it. Like you gotta go now on that ice cream on the brownie. And that server's gotta get it out quick because it's gonna turn into soup in about 90 seconds. Probably that. But, you know, dessert is for kids. Guys, the show is for you. I do it every single day. We all, the whole staff here at Kyle Brand's Basement loves you, appreciates you. Please share, please subscribe, please tweet, please post, put it on your MySpace, put it on your Friendster, put, put it on your photo bucket, whatever you want, and we will be back tomorrow in the basement. Exit through the garage right that way past my six-year-old watching Bluey. Close the door on your way out. See you tomorrow, guys.